I'm sorry, Jeff, can you please make me a host? Okay. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton Zoom service. I'm the Unitarian Church of Edmonton's Board of Trustees President. My name is Karen Belita, and my pronouns are she and hers. We do hope that you feel welcome here. I would especially like to welcome any visitors who might be with us today and invite you to join us for conversation in the breakout rooms once the service is ended. You're welcome to go to our online guestbook, which you can find on the uce.ca website. The Unitarian Church of Edmonton is a liberal, religious, multi-generational community. We celebrate a rich mosaic of free thinking, spiritually questioning individuals joined in common support and action. We welcome diversity, pursue the common good, and work for justice. We believe in the compassion of the individual heart, the warmth of community, and the search for meaning in our lives. We gather with gratitude this morning on Treaty 6 land. An in, a treaty is an inheritance, a responsibility, and a relationship. May we be good neighbors to one another, good stewards to our planet, and good ancestors to all of our children. 
I now introduce Reverend Leanne Washington, who will start with the, our opening words. Good morning, everybody. I'm Leanne Washington, and I'm honored to be UCE's minister during the interim, <coughs> excuse me, period between Reverend Brian's departure and the arrival of your next settled minister. Our theme this month is stillness, and we are going to ignore it this Sunday. Today, we're going to make a lot of joyful noises in song and in word. You'll be invited to sing along with some carols familiar and unfamiliar. Unfortunately, because of the lag between um, the different households on the internet, we have to do this with mics muted. But I hope that you will nonetheless enjoy singing some of these carols. We're gonna start out thinking in terms of where we are today and how we can move from here to a sense of joy. So the beginning of our service will be a little more traditional, but as we move throughout the service, we will get more and more lighthearted. And I do hope that you will enter in joyously and uh, participate today. And I do appreciate those of you who took our invitation to wear some Christmas garb. And I apologize if my bells go off when they're not supposed to. Um, we're going to take a look at this season from a couple of different perspectives, including from that of a poor little tree that goes from being just, just one of many to a special Christmas tree. I'll warn you now that this service has not been timed and it may go over a bit. So I invite you to relinquish, relinquish your need to be in control and to be prompt for everything and to just go with the flow. Now Hanukkah is one of the other seasons and traditions that's being celebrated right now. I'm going to give you just a little snippet of Hanukkah history. Um, so tonight is the third night of Hanukkah, or last night was the third night of Hanukkah. And it, Hanukkah means dedication. It celebrates the, um, the Maccabees, which was a, a, a tribe, a family, resistance to the Greek um, oppressors, if you will, of their day. And it is about their taking back their temple, their place of religious observance, and being able to enjoy religious freedom again. And there's a miracle involved in which when they tried to light the menorah in the church, in the, sorry, in the uh, temple, they only had enough oil for one day, but miraculously, it shined for eight days while they were able to create more oil to fill the lamps. Now, we also have a fairly new holiday 
that is close to Karen Belita's heart. She's become a real advocate for it. It's Chalika. And Chalika is a distinctly and uniquely Unitarian Universalist holiday. It celebrates for seven nights the seven principles that we have in Unitarian Universalism. And tonight is, I believe, the last night. And it is lit for our respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. And the suggestion for what to do in addition to lighting your chalice is perhaps giving a gift to the animals, starting a compost, paying particular attention to recycling, and maybe rescuing an animal for an animal shelter. You can find more information about Chalica online, and I'm sure that Karen Belita would be happy to talk to you about why she finds Chalica so meaningful. Now, we as we enter into our time of holy celebration, of joy and peace, we begin our sacred time together as Unitarian Universalist congregations around the world do by lighting our chalice. As we light our chalice, Corinne Jackson will share joy and gladness, words written by Reverend Jude Geiger, a Unitarian Universalist minister. Corinne, you have to unmute. Gather our spirit, open our hearts, make room this hour for a new story of possibility, of hope, of vision. May the lighting of our chalice be for gladness where we are empty and joy where we were once dry. Since Sunday, November 29th, we've been following the Christian custom of lighting Advent candles. As our third Advent candle is lit, Gordon Ritchie will share with us words written by Megan Dowdle, a Unitarian Universalist minister. Good morning, everyone. We are entering a time of year when the earth grows colder, animals begin to hibernate, and days become continually shorter. This morning marks the third Sunday in the season of Advent. In the Christian tradition, Advent is the beginning of the church year. Recognizing the transforming power of God in the world and looking forward to the birth of Jesus and the celebration of spiritual light. Christianity is not alone in celebrating light this time of year. Hanukkah, Solstice, and Kwanzaa all involve candles, fire, and lights as part of their celebrations. We have an evergreen wreath that has four candles on it. We light one candle for each week of Advent to remind us that the light of these candles guides us toward personal peace, shared joys of the season, and opportunities to build love in our church and in the larger world. This morning, we light the third candle on the Advent wreath. 
The lighting of one candle after another reminds us that this season must pass in its own time. Birth cannot be rushed. We light this candle as a symbol of joy that cannot be contained and must be shared with others. Advent asks us to proclaim our gladness as a gift to others, so that even those who are weary will see the fullness of it. This joy leads to strength and the ability to be transformed. May we practice joy through our words, our music, and the way we live our lives. We forget to sing when we hear birds sing in the morning. Even in the middle of winter, they have melodies. There are melodies in the sunny days of winter and joy in the possibilities of transformation. May it be so, blessed be. With mics muted, please join in singing the traditional words for hymn number 245, Joy to the World. song is a message of hope in the face of despair and was written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow two years after his wife died in a tragic fire which killed her and severely burned him and just days after his son Charlie had been hospitalized with severe injuries from his service in the Union Army. Longfellow wrote about his wife's death and his son's enlistment in the army that at times he feared that he would be sent to an asylum on account of his grief. 
With mics muted, please join in singing hymn number 240, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. This version is sung by Harry Belafonte. Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, good will to men. I thought as now this day had come the belfries of all Christendom had rung so long the unbroken song of peace on earth good Just as Longfellow landed on hope, on peace and goodwill for engendered language, all men, 
we would say humankind, we also can hold on to a sense of peace, a sense of joy, a sense of goodwill. And why, you might ask? Well, because we are able at this time to engage in acts of love and kindness and generosity. In just a moment, I will share with you the traditional story that this congregation has listened to for a long time now called the Mitten Tree. And this really does show why it is that we have these traditions. So that regardless of what else is going on in the world, what else may be bringing us sorrow, when we remember it's time to engage in one of our traditions, we can let go of that for a moment and focus on what it is that we're doing. So give me just a moment and I'll be reading you the mitten tree. of the congregation enjoying the mitten tree service of times past. Now here's the story that inspired the mitten tree. At the end of a long lane in a tidy little house, old Sarah lived alone. Her children had grown up and moved away, but Sarah still remembered the mornings when she walked with them to the blue spruce tree where they waited for the school bus. 
Now, each morning, she opened her shutters and watched for the new children to arrive. Every chilly morning, Sarah pulled on her warm coat and started down the lane. As she walked past the children on her way to the mailbox, she wished they would smile or wave, but they never did. The children didn't even seem to notice her. Still, when she saw them, she couldn't help but smile. One winter morning, after the first snow had fallen, all the children were making snowmen and throwing snowballs, all except for one little boy in a blue cap and coat. Even his boots were a dark shade of blue. He stood away from the others with his hands sunk deep in his pockets. When the school bus arrived, he lingered behind and was last in line. As Sarah watched the little boy climb into the bus, she could see one thing. He had no mittens. All that day, Sarah couldn't stop worrying about the little boy with no mittens. Late in the afternoon, as the sky grew dark, Sarah dug through her basket of yarn scraps she had saved for many years. And she found her needle and four shades of blue wool. And then she began to knit. Sarah worked late into the night. When the sun began to rise, she hurried to the bus stop and hung the mittens on the old blue spruce tree. From behind the hedge, Sarah watched. The little boy was the first to arrive. He saw the mittens. He reached up and he tried them on and they fit. With a big smile, he made a perfect snowball and threw it high into the winter sky. Soon, a little girl in a red coat arrived. Her mittens didn't match. That night, Sarah knitted with red yarn. Each day now, as Sarah went to the mailbox, she watched for children without mittens. Then she would hurry home and knit. And then early in the morning, she would hang the new mittens on the tree. The children loved the game. Each day they would search under every branch and bough for another pair of mittens. Once or twice, Sarah thought that, she, that the boy with the blue mittens had seen her but he always looked away. Night after night, Sarah knitted mittens in every color. Some had stripes, some had hearts, some even had little snowflakes all over them. Somehow, even though she had never spoken to the children, Sarah felt that they had become her new family. On the last day before winter vacation, Sarah awakened before dawn. She took the empty basket that had once held her yarn and filled it to the brim with mittens. Out the door and down the steps she headed. When she got to the blue spruce street tree, she hung the mittens on every branch. 
The boy with the blue mittens was the first to arrive again. He stood very still and waited for the others. In fact, all the children stood very still for a few minutes, looking at the mysterious, beautiful mitten tree. When they boarded the bus, each child now wore a new pair of mittens. Sarah watched as one by one, their faces disappeared in the bus windows. Still, no one looked her way as she started home. But Sarah's heart was full. It was full as when the sounds of her own children had filled the house. As Sarah neared her porch and climbed the steps, she saw something waiting for her. There, in the corner, was a basket woven with thick brown vines and decorated. <coughs> it was decorated with a large white bow. In it were balls and balls of beautiful, colorful yarn. To this day, Sarah knits mittens for all the children in her town. Every time her basket is empty, a new full one appears. Sarah doesn't know who the yarn is from. The children still don't know who the mittens are from. But someone must. So now as we have a feeling of warmth and generosity in our hearts, we will now share our abundance. Generosity is a spiritual practice. Just like any other spiritual practice. And the more often we share, the easier it is. And it is a gift, both to the one who receives and the one who gives. And it matters not whether the gift be large or small. This month, we are supporting RISE, Reconciliation and Solidarity Edmonton. We encourage you to go to their website to learn more about them and to share generously with them. Now, please join in singing from you I receive to you I give, or maybe I said that backwards. <laughs> in any case. <laughs>
Now, speaking of gifts and speaking of gifts not having to be expensive or large, the Christmas tradition has embraced that notion and has an answer to the question, do I have enough to give? In the song of the little drummer boy, and here we're gonna hear a rendition of that, what has now become traditional Christmas song that you may not have heard before. It is an old version of the little drummer boy. gifts. This period of COVID-19 restrictions have given us a lot to be concerned about. And we have had to make a lot of adjustments. And being quarantined is no fun. 
and a number of people who are quite mm, entertaining and talented have taken some of our traditional songs and modified them as parodies of COVID-19. Now I wanna just say a few words. We do have some beloved congregation members who are now struggling with COVID-19. And we have one member who, as many of us heard uh, at the beginning of the service or before the beginning of the service, may in fact succumb to COVID-19 entirely. So this is serious and it brings sorrow to our hearts. At the same time, we can hold two things. It's not easy, but we can do it. And so the next portion of our service is meant to bring us into a state of joy. And laughter is the best medicine. And that's why people make these parodies. They make them because they have pain. But one way to deal with the pain, one way to incorporate it into their lives is to make fun of it, is to step back and realize how absolutely ludicrous and difficult this time is. So in that vein, in search of some humor and an otherwise difficult and desperate time, I invite you to enjoy the 12 days of quarantine, which were written by Janine and David Ragnauer and focus on the less than desirable gifts that this time period has bestowed upon us. On the first day of quarantine, my governor gave to me The schools closed indefinitely On the second day of quarantine, my grocer gave to me No toilet paper and the schools closed indefinitely On the third day of quarantine, my congress gave to me Useless emails, no toilet paper, and the schools closed indefinitely. On the fourth day of quarantine, my lockdown gave to me surging unemployment. Three useless emails, no toilet paper, and the schools closed indefinitely. On the fifth day of quarantine, my TV gave to me fake news from Fox. Three useless emails, no toilet paper, and the schools closed indefinitely. On the sixth day of quarantine, my neighbor gave to me hand sanitizer, fake news from Fox. Surging unemployment, three useless emails. 
was no toilet paper and the schools closed indefinitely. On the seventh day of quarantine, my best friend gave to me social distancing hand sanitizer fake news from Fox. Surging unemployment, three useless emails, no toilet paper and the schools closed indefinitely. On the eighth day of quarantine, my daughter gave to me three dozen cupcakes, social distancing, hand sanitizer, fake news from Fox. Surging unemployment, three useless emails, no toilet paper, and the schools closed indefinitely. On the ninth day of quarantine, my drive-thru gave to me Someone else's order, three dozen cupcakes, social distancing, hand sanitizer, fake news from Fox. Surging unemployment, three useless emails, no toilet paper, and the schools closed indefinitely. On the tenth day of quarantine, my boredom gave to me a tip. Addiction, someone else's order, three dozen cupcakes, social distancing, hand sanitizer, fake news from Fox. Surging unemployment, three useless emails, no toilet paper, and the schools closed indefinitely. On the eleventh day of quarantine, my pantry gave to me seven bags of chips, a tick. Addiction, someone else's order, three dozen cupcakes, social distancing, hand sanitizer, fake news from Fox. Surging unemployment, three useless emails, no toilet paper, and the schools closed indefinitely. On the twelfth day of quarantine, my husband gave to me. Coronavirus, seven bags of chips, a TikTok addiction, someone else's order, three dozen cupcakes, social distancing, hand sanitizer, fake news from Fox. Surging unemployment, three useless emails, no toilet paper, on the schools closed indefinitely. Now, <clears throat> as Unitarians and Universalists, who are in fact liberal religionists, we embrace even those who are atheists and those who do not for a minute believe or give any credence to the Christmas story, which admittedly has conflicting elements is probably more myth than fact. A Unitarian Universalist minister and friend recognized this years ago and created their own parody, which originally was designed to show how Unitarian Universalists do tend to embrace other traditions a lot more quickly and easily than the Christian one, but who nonetheless recognize the holiday. I invite you to enjoy 
God rest ye Unitarians. God rest ye Unitarians, let nothing you dismay. Remember there's no evidence there was a Christmas day. When Christ was born is just not known, no matter what they say. Oh, tidings of reason and fact, reason and fact. Glad tidings of reason and fact. There was no star of Bethlehem, there was no angel song. There could have been no wise men, for the trip would take too long. The stories in the Bible are historically wrong. Oh, tidings of reason and fact, reason and fact. Glad tidings of reason and fact. Our current Christmas customs come from Persia and from Greece, from solstice celebrations of the ancient Middle East. We know our so-called holiday is just a pagan feast. Oh, tidings of reason and fact, reason and fact, glad tidings of reason and fact. plan a COVID Christmas. Now it's lockdown number two. If you're ordering turkey for ten, you might want to think again. It might be best to use Deliveroo. We're beginning to plan a COVID Christmas. That means no nativity. Well, it wouldn't be quite the same seeing wise men by the manger wearing Drink in a pub or a friend they can hug is the wish of Sarah and Ben. A job, a career, and no lockdown next year is the hope of Harry and Jen. And will we ever get to see our families again? We're beginning to plan a COVID Christmas, buying all our gifts online. You can still pop your cards in the post, just don't lick the envelope. We're hoping that they all arrive on time. We're beginning to plan a COVID Christmas. Though it's all a great big sham. And we'll still decorate a tree that no one's going to see except on Instagram. Christmas has to quarantine. Ho, 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 ho. Oh, 
We're beginning to plan a COVID Christmas. 2020's curse. And if the government carries on, then 2021 will be even You celebrate this season, this aspect of the season, as a religious tradition or as a social and cultural tradition. In either way, in either instance, it is a time to get together with family and friends. It's a time when people just seem to be nicer to each other. I remember that a friend of mine, a fairly prominent rabbi in New England, once said that he loves Christmas because for some reason, people do tend to be nicer to each other and who doesn't like that? So talking about getting together, having rides in the old days and open sleighs to people's homes and to celebrate a reason to sort of cuddle up and enjoy the snow, we'll sing Jingle Bells. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh O'er the fields we go laughing all the way The bells on bobtail ring, they make our spirits bright What fun it is to ride and sing a sleighing song tonight Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh
surprised. And so, again, no matter how you approach this season, it seems we all deck the hall with boughs of holly. And that probably goes back to the pagan, um, nature-based religious roots of this holiday. I invite you to join in singing with Mike's muted, Deck the Hall with Boughs of Holly. That's also hymn number 235. share with you. Originally, we thought Gordon and Robert might be able to do it for us, but due to some technical difficulties and such, it didn't work. So my daughter Lucy and I are going to try to do this for you. Now, when you hear it, it may remind you of, well, a little frog. But I want you to rethink this, to approach this song, It Isn't Easy Being Green, from the perspective of a little pine tree in the woods who's just sort of considering, well, what it means to be green. Jeff, can you please spotlight? Hold on. Turn it off for a second. Okay. Sorry. Spotlight Lucy Gilbert. 
to spend each day when I think it might be nicer being red or yellow or gold or something much more colorful like that. It's not easy being green. Seems you blend in with so many other ordinary things. And people tend to pass you over because you're not standing out like flashy sparkles in the water or stars in the sky. But green's the color of spring. And green can be cool and friendly like. like a mountain, or important, like a river, or tall like a tree. When green is all there is to be, it could make you wonder why, but why wonder? Why wonder? I'm green. It'll do fine. It's beautiful. And I think it's what I want to be. We're just going to turn it off. It's not easy. Okay, good. So the reverberation, I hope you didn't hear that all the way through. Um, sometimes it's just not easy being green. And sometimes it's just not easy being ourselves. And it's fun to have a time of year, like this time of year, where we can dress up in a merry and different way where we can explore our more creative sides, where we can listen to the music, where we can sing the songs, and where we can remember that no matter what else is happening in and around us, we have each other and we have hope and we have love and we have peace and we have joy. And if any of those things are not happening for you, please know that we're here, that that's what beloved community is for, to help us when it's really hard to find those things for ourselves. Now, before we go into the um, chalice extinguishing, I just want to express a little bit of gratitude for remember we learned weeks ago 
that the spiritual practice of gratitude is one of the most powerful spiritual practices there is. And no matter what, finding something to be grateful for can really help us weather and move through those dark and difficult times. So I want to say thank you to our host and greeter, Jeff Bizance, to our slide creator and runner, Karen Belita, who really had an amazingly overwhelming task this Sunday and really has come through. To our recorder, Ruth Marriott, who's going to make sure that a version of this, a recorded version of this service will be available for your viewing later. Without their assistance, we would just not be able to enjoy our time together this morning. So thank you to all of them. Now, we will close our sacred time together with the words from Reverend Sarah Asher. They were adapted by me and they'll be read by Corinne Jackson, a celebration of truth, meaning, and joy. As we are extinguishing the light from this flame, may we remember that its light is a beacon of our faith. In the days that grow dark and dreary, may the light from this flame continue to warm our spirits during nights of restless searching. May the light from this flame continue to be a celebration of the truth, meaning, and joy we find within these walls and in our dreams. And I think I may have surprised uh, Karen because I'm not sure it was in the original <laughs> order of service that I provided because no matter what happened today during our service, we are going to give each other a joyous, happy benediction. A benediction is a blessing. That's what, that's what it means, a blessing. And we are going to bless each other by singing, we wish you a Merry Christmas as we close our service. But first, we will go on to carry the flame. Everyone join us in singing carry the flame, followed by we wish you a Merry Christmas. <laughs>
service this morning. Before we invite you to take a short break, I'd like to let you know that next Sunday will be a winter solstice Sunday. Wednesday following uh, the 23rd, I believe, will be a blue Christmas service the 24th will be a Christmas Eve service. Um, I believe uh, Gordon and I believe Karen and Yvonne, I think are doing the, uh, maybe not entirely correct about that, but I believe they're the ones who are doing the winter solstice. I will be doing the blue Christmas service and Gordon will be doing the Christmas Eve service. And then I'll be back in the pulpit on December 27th. So I invite you to take advantage of all the different ways that we are enjoying and expressing the joy of this season and recognizing during the blue Christmas service that this time is not joyful for everyone. Um, so, if you feel that or you feel that in addition to the joy of the season, please come for that service. Now, we're going to take a short break. You'll be after which you'll be randomly placed in breakout rooms for coffee and a chat. I'll remain in the um, main room for about an hour, more or less. 
Uh, you're free to decline being sent to a chat coffee chat room. You can stay in the main room with me or you can go enjoy coffee and a chat and then return back to the main room. We have no designated topic for today's uh, main room. We'll just be visiting with each other. So enjoy, take a few minutes, and then we will divide ourselves up for coffee and conversation. I just wanted to add in that I want to thank all the volunteers that help out and uh, especially to Jan McMillan today. She did a very last minute without any prior practice entering lyrics into the chat. Thank you for very much for being so very brave to do this without any practice. Uh, I appreciate everyone that volunteers and I appreciate seeing everyone's face and everyone joining in. Hope you have a chance to watch the announcements there's some things that are new that aren't in the newsletter, and we will see you after, after the announcements. Thank you. 